Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. Okay, let's do some trials and triumphs, ladies. I will volunteer to go first because mine is a combined trial and triumph, and it just happened today, and I'm really excited about it. Um, so in a bad enough trial, then if you're really excited, well, I'm kidding. Okay, well, just just wait, just be patient. Okay, so we have this great organization here in Atlanta called Trees Atlanta, and they are a nonprofit that essentially plant encourages trees. people. They plant trees, but they encourage people to. Um, plant trees and native trees, not invasives. And um, you can get free trees for your house. If you want to plant trees in your yard, you can also volunteer to go plant trees, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, every year they have a tree sale. And today was their tree sale. And they they don't just sell trees. They sell all sorts of plants. Who knew? Yeah. Thanks for not telling us. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. true. It's yeah. still going on. Have we known you, Caroline? <laughs> and um, they have they had a t- huge selection. So of course, I set my alarm for um, because it sells out fast. Wow. Um, it sells out really fast, and so Will and I have been talking. You know, since we bought our house, we knew we wanted to like totally overhaul all of the planting, but it's a really big lot. It's about a half acre. And um, so it's going to take us a while, but we kind of have a list of plants that we want to use that we just really like and think are going to work, blah, blah, blah. So we both got on there and both of us bought a ridiculous amount of plants. So we bought like 10 trees. Wow. Um, a ton of shrubs, a bunch of oak leaf hydrangeas, all the stuff. And um, anyway, so I'm very excited about it. And I went a little crazy. I was adding all these things to my cart because they sell out really fast. So, you know, especially of the things that are more unusual. And I don't know, we went a little crazy. So um, is it annually the- they do this once a year? Yes. Because okay. it, because um, today was the sale, but you don't, we don't actually get to pick it up until October. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's when the planting season ends. You know, maybe they have it in the spring, but um, it said annual tree sale, but so I assume that meant only once. But mm. maybe they do it more than once. Um, anyways, and um, what you? Yeah, get? I'm just really excited. Oh my gosh, we got so much stuff. We got a bunch of. We really wanted some unusual trees, and so that was why we really liked this tree sale because then they they're very very small. So it's going to take a really long time for them to grow in. But um, we got some big leaf magnolias, which are, they kind of look like a fiddle leaf fig, but they're a magnolia variety. They're really cool. We got some, a bunch of oak leaf hydrangea, some buckeye. Um, anyways, a lot of variety. I can, I can actually post a list if you really want. If they, have, very, they still have a ton on here. I'm on um, there now too. Shop the tree are you? sale. I am. Look, they have black mission figs. Remember my figs? Oh, there you go. Well, so anyways, I just, we probably spent entirely too much money and come October, we're going to have a 
ridiculous amount of stuff to plant in our yard. So mm -hmm. that that is where the trial part comes in because we're going to have so many things to plant. But um, but yeah, I got really excited. And it's, um, you know, I felt good even. It's probably not the world's best deal for plants, but it goes to a nonprofit. So I felt better about it. Anyway, so if you're in the Atlanta area, mark your calendars next year for September 1st and get on the Trees Atlanta listserv. And so you don't miss it. Or go check it out and see if they have anything left. That's okay. smart. So can I just go next? Because my trial has to do with this too. Yes. Oh, for so sure. In front of my house, I have um, hydrangea. And then there's like a little boxwood hedge in front of that. And last year, I noticed that my hydrangea on the far end, sort of around the corner, had black spots all over it. So I cu cut it all the way down. And I have a girl that comes once a year and helps me prune. And she's like, cut it to the ground, blah, 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 blah. Now this year, and it grew. That one grew up this year. Normal, looked good. This looked really good. Now it's got spots again, and it's spreading down through my other ones. And I read about this, mm -hmm. and you know what it is? It's too much moisture, and so they're all rotting. Uh oh. Hmm. And Thanks. yeah, and I can tell it's like spreading all through. So I think I'm gonna have to replace them all. Oh no! Oh no! And so um. I'm going to do more research on it, but that from what I've been able to see on my research, that is exactly what it is. Cause it's like, well, you can trim them off and discard them cause it's a fungus, blah, blah, blah. But you know, it's going to be hard to keep it from happening again. Everything. Yeah. Mm. Oh no. That's so, so sad. Isn't that awful? I, I love how plants really grow in and look are looking good. It takes, you know, it takes a while. Yeah. And it is yeah, a is, yeah. Years. Hmm. So I'm sad about that. Mm -hmm. You're allowed to be. Well, what's your what's your triumph? Well, <laughs> <laughs> that face. Well, remember how Caroline was talking last time about she got her new furniture and she's you know um, she didn't want to deal with cushions. Yes, I've had the Suzanne Castler direct to our sectional for many years, and I've moved it around all over. It was under this pergola I had for a while, then I moved it up to the top of my deck outside of my bedroom for a while, thinking I would read on it and. Then I moved it down by my pool, which I really like having it by my pool, except that it, it's impossible to keep it clean and dry. Impossible. They're white cushions. And even though they're outdoor and all of that, you know, they're wet. It, it rains all the time. I feel like in the summer, it, they're just a disaster, a disaster. Mm -hmm. And they look really bad. And so because they're old now, you know, they're right. probably six, seven years old. And the including cushions that come with the furniture are not umbrella. They're just outdoor, and so they're not as high quality as our replacement cushions. So, you, I mean, you can't really get them as clean as a umbrella cushion. So, I have at the beginning of the season, I ordered new umbrella white replacement cushions. And like I mentioned on the last one, everyone in the U.S. is out of everything. And so, we are backordered <laughs> on these cushions. I'm now not getting them until – y'all ordered them in March, and I'm supposed to now get them the end of September. So <laughs> – yeah. So we were having some people in our backyard the other day and I was so embarrassed. I'm like, I can't even have anybody here. So I had to spend like an hour and a half scrubbing those things. And like you said, Caroline, when you were cleaning your bench, you know, I didn't want to get them super wet because then they'd never dry. Yeah. So I scrubbed them down really good with my personal concoction of Clorox, degreaser, OxyClean and Dawn. Oh, I'm surprised it didn't blow up in my face. It probably was very toxic. Um, <laughs> but they look good. So, but then I got smart, y'all, and moved it into the covered portion of my backyard. Brilliant. So it's not out there in the rain getting plant 
droppings all over it and everything. Um, and I have these five other woven wing chairs that Taryn designed for me. <laughs> and they're, you know, they're a, a, a woven sort of faux wicker material. And so they can get wet and they don't have cushions. And I had those under the covered porch. I'm like, why? Why are those not out in the rain? Right. Right. You can see them immediately after a storm. So anyway, I switched all that around, clean my cushions. It's like a new world back there. Whole new world. Yay. Whole well, that's good. So I don't have to be so mad about waiting for my other cushions to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good fix. Yes. Mm-hmm. Patience. Well, I actually, my triumph was a Ballard order myself, which came very quickly. Um, I ordered the black metal um, cake stand and the um, black metal kind of rustic looking. For your Halloween party? Uh, yes. And uh, black, <laughs> and the black kind of metal uh, candlesticks too. Oh, yeah. Those holders, are really- holders. So they're all like that kind of deep metal with some kind of pitting on them. So they feel good. Um, between the two, I mean, they just feel autumn-like and I am so pumped. So <laughs> that was it. I was pretty excited. David's like, why did you get tabletoppy stuff? We are not even hosting anything. And I was like, listen. Do you think you're going to do your Halloween? I don't know. But either way, I will be decorated for myself. Good girl. (laughs) My gosh. Okay. Well, if anyone is just tuning into the podcast, Taryn has an epic Halloween party every year and she goes all out on her decorations. It's very spooky chic. And um, that is the sweetest. (laughs) It is. I really am going for a spooky chic look. Thank you. But yeah, so that, that was, those were added necessary Ballard items that were on clearance. So they were perfect. No brainers. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And did you have a trial? I did have a trial. Okay. Don't ask too many questions because I'm not deep in it. But <laughs> um, there is been something that has paused our permitting of every of our new oh, home no. and stuff because there is a big, beautiful... Um, oak i believe it's an oak it's a hardwood um right on the edge between us and our neighbors right on the edge of our um, driveway mm-hmm. and it because they have a fence on the other side of it it looks like it's ours but it's on their property mm. um and that has just been messed up in our driveway slash garages and such so we're figuring that out so <laughs> Good luck oh yeah. permanent with the pits apparently. nobody called it then and then yeah and then we want to have quite the few trees removed because they're where we're building you know we're not trying to clear cut the lot but Mm -hmm. where our house is going because we have over 40 trees on our property um so asking the city to you know take down quite a few is Mm -hmm. also going to be a long process so those are our current house trials to keep everyone up to date but um hopefully we'll get into permitting very shortly so stay tuned as El Rancho turns to El whatever, <laughs> whatever we name. <laughs> you know that Atlanta builders who are cutting down trees, because here, if you cut down a tree, you have to replace it when Correct. you build. Um, but um, builder, my friend is a contractor, and he told me this, that they can donate trees to Trees Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, in lieu of planting a tree on that property. Mm-hmm. So Trees Atlanta plants the tree somewhere. And just FYI. You can get, everyone can get three free trees for their property if it is in within 20 feet of the right-of-way. I just learned this. So we applied for three free trees from Trees Atlanta. So just FYI, if you what kind want. Of, do they give you a Oh, there's a huge variety. Um, you you, have, to, you right. have to apply. And I think then from, if you, if you get if accepted, then you get to pick. So I don't know exactly yet what 
varieties we'll get. But um, yeah, about about a year and a half ago, they came through our neighborhood and just kind of knocked on everyone's door and said, hey, can we put some trees here? Because, you know, between the sidewalk and the street, there's um, probably 24, 30 inches of ground you know, mm-hmm. like most people have. And, um, and if you didn't have trees there, they were knocking and like, can we plant trees here? And went through the whole neighborhood and just mm-hmm. giving out trees and plant planting them there for you. Right? Yeah. And they have all variety. They have understory trees, you know, like a crepe myrtle that's not very big, that is really more decorative to even like huge, you know, oak trees and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Well, I think we should get to our guest. We could. Okay. Let's yes. do it. so excited to have to welcome our guest today. Her name is Katie Ritter. She, her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, House Beautiful, Town and Country, The New York Times, many more. She's also written three books, Rooms, A House in the Country, written with her husband, architect Peter Penoyer, and both have been published by Vendome Press. And she has a new book coming out next week, More Rooms, which is available for pre-order or out on September 22nd. And more rooms is just, I told the girls, yummy beyond words is I think my overall takeaway. It is just, we have so many questions, um, but there's just so much color. Every detail is of every room is exquisite. I mean, I honestly it kind of blew my mind. Oh, you're so nice <laughs> to say that. Well, you know, every project is different and it's a fun project getting to know clients and their needs and wishes and the um the story how it unfolds is is always every story is different and um the projects in these in this book are from the past eight years so Mm -hmm. i finished my last book 2011 and this one is everything since 2011 i mean Really, the the thing that stuns me about your rooms is the details. It seems like every lamp finial, every welt, every trim, and every pot on every go- coffee table, like literally every item is thought out and intentional and expertly crafted. And yet... I mean, no stone is unturned with every detail, and yet they never feel overdone or busy. And so I guess to me, it just kind of, I don't understand how you put so much detail and intricacy into every item while also having it overall feel, you know, like big and open and quiet and cozy and I don't know. <laughs> I don't know well, how you do that. Thank you, Caroline. That That is so nice. But you know, it really comes down. I agree. The details for me are what's exciting and what is important and what makes a project really special. And so it's all the craftspeople who I work with. I have an embroiderer. Their name is Penn and Fletcher, and they make headboards for me. They, um, they, put lead edges down curtains. Um, They uh, put trapunto on leather chairs for me. I mean, just really the sky's the limit. 
Um, and then there is my lampshade person, Shades of the Midnight Sun, that they make extremely beautiful and sometimes very intricate lampshades for me. Um, there is, I'm working on a project right now on Fifth Avenue and there's a bar and we're lining the bar with Ver Iglemise and her name is Miriam Elner. And again, the sky's the limit. You come up with an idea and she takes it from there and makes it much better than what you would have imagined. Um, so all those details, it's, it's working with, you know, all the artisans to me that is, is so, so important and their expertise. But how do you dream up all of these things, but have it constantly in a, in a, a larger hole to where it doesn't become overdone or too precious? Well, there's a book that I've been really inspired by that my husband Peter told me about called Swedish Grace. And it's um, everything Swedish. I think it starts like 1600s all the way to, um, I don't know, the 19th century. And they're very, the Swedes are very pared back. And there are so many details in that book, I can't tell you, from ironwork from a um, movie house with a snake and and the bottom of the railing curves and it's the snake's head all covered in leather that I imagine like Adne was influenced from something that he saw in Sweden. And there's all the Joseph Frank work. Um, The buildings are very whimsical, but like you're talking about pared back, but the detail is there. So like the architecture is very flat, but within a brick wall, they will embed a brick pattern of, oh, I don't even know, like a mountain scene or something. So they they just have such a way with detail. So lately I've been really inspired by that book and I have a new fabric that came out. I call it Posy. And I was inspired um, from something, um, from a fresco that I saw in Swedish Grace. So it's really, you know, my, my inspirations come from, from everywhere, from a lot from books, though, from old books. Mm-hmm. I would say that you have what Jonathan Adler referred to, and we had him on, as varsity moves. <laughs> Your rooms are, I mean, it would be hard for anyone who isn't at the varsity level of design to be able to pull that off. And I think that's what's sort of blowing Caroline's mind and all of our minds, because you, I mean, color okay let's just say it there's lots of color um but like caroline was saying it doesn't ever feel overwhelming or imposing but bold bold statements of color um do all of your clients come to you wanting color i would say at this point in my career yes and sometimes i don't give enough color to clients It's, it's really interesting to me that um I, I like to counter everything with colors that are a little muddy, which maybe you wouldn't even notice. But um, but I try to have that balance so it, so everything doesn't read shrill. It reads you know like it has depth. And so I have some clients who say, you know what, Katie, what a brown sofa, really? Why are you giving me a brown sofa? <laughs> so I, I do have clients who um, who ask for even more than I'm giving them. But, you know, color can come in just the smallest way, the welt in a sofa, having like, let's say on that brown sofa, I put a 
um, chartreuse welt on it. And then in the lampshade, I have maybe a little chartreuse and white print. Um, and you know, so subtle ways to give um, to give some interest and some lightness to maybe an otherwise, you know, dark, big brown sofa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, um, often people who we've had on that are color masters, um, when you dig in, the the color's really coming from smaller things. It might be mm-hmm. the wall color or the pillows, generally not as much the upholstery. Mm-hmm. And you, girl, are not that. <laughs> you're, I mean, your upholstery, you know, it's orange or chartreuse yes. or fuchsia. Or it's full pattern, too. Yes. I noticed you had quite a few sofas that were the highlight of the room, and they were full pattern. Yeah, it's it's true. There, You know, sometimes we'll put a scheme together, and there will be a, a fabric that I love, a pattern fabric. And my office will say, okay, well, you know, like here is is um, a scheme that, you know, we think would really work. And I'll look at it and say, but well, wait, that pillow fabric right there, that has to be the sofa. You know, that crazy, whatever it is, um, uh, Joseph Franck fabric or whatever. Um, and then everything else around it, like my carpets tend to be very calm. And, you know, so you just balance it mm-hmm. in one way or another. I mean, the color, it seems like color is your native language. And so I'm curious as to how, where you, like, where do you start when you're building the color scheme of the room? Is there a fabric? Is there art? And then also the the way you pair the colors, you know, you kind of have like a main color that's the, you know, largest part. But then I was very intrigued by the way you're adding the accent colors. They were a little unexpected, I guess, but just worked so beautifully. So how do you choose your color scheme and how do you build on that color scheme with all the details that you have? Well, when I'm, for instance, if I'm starting to, if I'm lucky enough to have a project that is starting from scratch, I'll take the plan of the house and like I'm working on a house in Kentucky right now. And there is a double height staircase outside the living room. Um, and so I thought, okay, I really would love like a big, bold fabric. I'm going to paperback a fabric and line the walls in there. And you can see through um, several rooms from that hallway. So the other rooms off that hallway, they need to be maybe a solid, softer color. So you don't, um, you, so you feel the impact of of that fabric and that pattern without it um, being annoying, you know, something to enjoy. And I think having complementary colors in a softer, muddier palette really lends itself to having that feeling of, oh, it's interesting. And oh, that's, that's, I like that it's different, but not like, oh my gosh, I don't think I could live with that. Um, so it's the balance of, um, of looking at the whole picture of all the rooms beyond um, how they feed into each other and taking a little piece of um, color from the living room and bringing that over into maybe a room that's not right next door, but maybe it's two two uh, rooms over. So when you walk through the house too, you you think, okay, well, I've just saw blue and now I'm walking through into a green room and then there's blue again, but in a subtle way. I don't know. It's it's all a balancing act and... and um, um, I don't know, but I, I, my motto is be bold and, and, and you <laughs> are, 
<laughs> so do you keep, a, do you have a, a palette that works through the whole house or does each room have its own? I like to have a palette that works throughout the house. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, like, I don't think I would put a blue and red room and then next to it put a, um, a purple room. You know, I, I with the blue and red room, I would maybe um, put a pale, 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 pale blue room next to that. Or maybe an orange room might be pretty, too, with the blue and, and the red. Um, so I think in terms of, of palettes going through the house, I and carpets, too, are really important. I mean, I've, made, I've made a lot of mistakes in my time um, having bold carpets next to bold carpets. I mean, they, that's why I think I really... I. I I really tend to have quiet carpets because the, you know, they, they butt up next to each other. And, um, and if you are usually the children in our projects, they, the parents say, you know, so-and-so wants a, you know, a lavender room and, and the other child wants an orange room. So you've got all these crazy colors and, and to keep the carpets quiet is another trick. I think when you do have kind of unusual color schemes next to each other. Mm-hmm. I did notice one of your favorite palettes and you take it in a lot of different directions, but that red and blue, like it could be icy, icy blue and red, or maybe it goes more like a tobacco-y brownie red with more of a tealy, dark peacocky blue or, you know, a lot of variations on that theme, which bold, right? Putting those two mm-hmm. together, maybe not for you, maybe it's old school for you. But for me, yes. looking at that, I'm like, that's, yes. that's bold. But I, I saw it a lot in your work, kind of going on lots of different values. It was really beautiful. Thank you. I, I do love that color peacock. I think it works with a lot of different colors. It works with green and um, it works with brown. It works with red. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a favorite color of mine. I wanted to ask about, because you also use yellow, and I love some of the shades of yellow you use, because to your point, it's it's off a tone, so it's not so bright that it knocks you back. Um, so I wanted to know if you could even share with us what yellow you use, because you've had it in a few projects, um, to make yes. sure it's not too bright. Yes. Okay, so yellow. Um, I love Ferrum Ball Orangery. That's a really good color um, it, because it's it's not orange, but it's not yellow. It's somewhere in between. Um, and yellow, I, fi- see, I find yellow a hard color. So I like to use yellow like I'm in my bedroom right now. I don't know if you can see, but it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a wallpaper and it's um, it's yellow and cream. So it softens it. Um, it's a pattern. Yeah, it's a pattern. So if I if I do yellow, I, I often will wallpaper or um, fabric or, or um, paper back a fabric and apply it to walls that way to make it a little bit softer. Break it a little. Yeah, break that it a little. That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, should we talk about your absolute uh, love affair with banquettes? Oh my god, I had that Absolutely. question too. I do too. So this is perfect. I mean, a custom banquet. Oh, and P.S. I have to tell you, while reading your book earlier, I got up and rearranged my living room. No. Yes, to make I room did. for a banquet? Karen. Well, I mean, I would if I could. But no, well, because you were talking about, I'm sorry, I'm digressing off the banquet, but we'll get back to that. Well, you were talking about in the living room, um, I think it was Elsa DeWolf you were quoting who was saying, you know, like, it's it's so interesting that this most 
uh, rarely used room of the house gets all this attention and money and everyone cares so much about it. And it has to look just so. And then you make it so good that no one wants to sit in it. Right. Edith Wharton. Edith Wharton. Edith sorry. Wharton. Yes. Um, and uh, but you were talking about how, you know, the way you like to situate furniture is either towards uh, the view or uh, around a fireplace. And sometimes you have both and and which is, you know, the best rooms have both. And then, then you have a big challenge. But mm-hmm. I was like, all right, well, I got a fireplace and I don't feel like I'm particularly embracing this thing. Mm-hmm. And so um, and you were saying, oh, it needs to have like sort of an intimate, cozy moment around the fireplace. So I did. I went and I like dragged. <laughs> and how did it work for you, Karen? Um, I'm in love with it. <gasps> I am in love with it. It Yay. is adorable. Yes, I have like two little chairs and I pulled them over there and they're off center. But I'm like, who cares? Yeah, it doesn't have to be that way. And yeah. so uh, thank you very much. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> so now back to banquettes. Back to banquettes. Yes. So banquettes, um, are you talking specifically in a kitchen? Um, or you know, have a nook, or like well, a nook? Where do we use them? How do we use them? Okay. Okay. So a banquette, I think of uh, as between um, two windows, like in a niche, um, building something, not um, a piece of furniture, building a piece of furniture, not a built-in with a cushion on it, but an actual piece of furniture is, is I think, the most successful way to build a banquette in, um, within a window frame. Um, and then, of course, kitchens, it's a really handy piece of furniture to have in a kitchen, although some people don't like to scoot around, you know, where everybody has to exit one way to get in. Um, gosh, where else have I used banquettes? I'm trying to think. Because um, <laughs> you also everywhere. use like sectionals, oh, sort yes, of, sectionals. you know, yes. in the same way. Yes, 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 I do. I love sectionals. I love um, L-shaped sectionals. And I think they're a little more streamlined. I like to have... Um, sectionals. Well, I, for the most part, I really like my sofas to be tight back because I like to add pattern in pillows. And I find if you have a loose back sofa, it's much harder because then you're just throwing the pillows on the floor. There's just too much stuff. And so the same thing for L-shaped sofas, trying to keep them super streamlined and tight, of course, very comfortable too with pillows. Um, And I think it's nicer to have an L-shaped sofa than two sofas. It just seems, it just seems cleaner to me and um, a little bit more modern. People love them um, and they seem to work in so many situations. And they're comfy. They're great for, you know, curling up on and snuggling mm-hmm. with your hubby for or your sure. puppies or whomever. For sure. Well, I was kind of, you know, I feel like a lot of um, designers will talk about things floating, but especially since so many of your projects are in New York, you're tied on space. So is that, is it kind of like a space saving mechanism too? Because it seems like there are a lot of them sort of tucked away in a corner and it makes that corner usable. But to, yeah, to, to claim the, um, architecture of a room, a real estate of a room. And to, um, and then what I do is I like to put um, for light, and I think it's just a nice look to have um, a wall sconce, either in the corner, I used to be able to buy them at, at, um, God, who was it? Robert Abbey used to make a great corner sconce where the back plate was actually a corner. Oh, wow. That's smart. And I don't know. And I did have them made. I had a whole bunch. So I, we I will bought tell them our out. lighting merchant about it. We'll be oh, like, you should have we that. need a corner sconce. Yes, you so, need a corner sconce. 
Is the back plate angled? Is yes. it flat? It's okay. angled. <gasps> so the front where the light is, that's flat. Okay. But the back of it is at a 45 degree angle. So it fits into that corner. Exactly. Cheering. So like a piece of so pie. So like a triangle. Yeah. So smart. Because I loved all of your sectionals and just like Karen rearranged her living room, I've been thinking, I think I need to rearrange our TV room. I think that a sectional, L-shaped sectional would just give me so much more seating and be cozier. And so I, I'm, I'm I'm rearranging and I need a corner uh, sconce, sconce to go with yeah. it. There you go. First sale. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be your second sale and your third and your fourth and your fifth. Nice. <laughs> She'll buy them all up. Well, the other thing that I loved, um, and you are, you just do such an amazing job with a library or a study. I can imagine that every single one of your clients that has one of those studies right now is just sending you emails every day saying, I love my study so much. And I'm now that it's my full-time office, um, (laughs) I'm so grateful to have it because Mm -hmm. they are just so delicious and cozy. And tell us, how do you approach a study maybe in a way that you don't, the living room or... Well, study to me sounds like there is probably a desk in it. So I think of a desk and sometimes a study has a fireplace in it. And um, I think there you'd want just two chairs and a little table in between. Uh, I think of a study as smaller and cozier Um, and niches. Like I often will build bookcases and leave a niche for a sofa. So the sofa fits right into the bookcases and then you put a sconce on the inside depth of the, you know, the 12 inch depth of the, of the um, bookcase. And, um, you know, sometimes it's a natural wood um, library, which, you know, that's incredible if you can afford that. Um, It's often painted and I tend to paint everything the same color. So, um, all the trim, the bookcases, the backs. Well, sometimes I'll put a, a, a wallpaper in the back of the bookcases, but everything is. So as opposed to if there's any wall in um, a, a room that has a lot of bookcases, I tend to paint the wall and the bookcases all the same color, all the same finish to really clean it up and simplify and unite it. Would you do that if there, if the room got very little light? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think often, I don't think you have to, in fact, I do the opposite. I'm, I'm not finishing my sentences. I'm sorry. If you're in a dark room, I I never paint a dark room white. I always paint, I always have, you know, a pretty good amount of saturation in a dark room. And then you light it in very, you know, standing lamps, table lamps, um, picture lights. And if you have lights in the ceiling or a chandelier, just different levels of light but I tend to go darker instead of lighter in that kind of a situation. Mm-hmm. And ceiling too? Did you say ceiling? As no, well? the ceiling, okay. you know, nice trick is to wallpaper it. Okay. You can wallpaper it in a metal leaf. You don't have to buy silver leaf or gold leaf. You can metal leaf it. Um, a faux metal leaf ceiling is, is really charming or a little bit of a pattern, a little strie, something with a little bit of texture, not texture, a little bit of, um, pattern is really nice instead of just a flat ceiling and painting it glossy. I mean, treat it. It's a big, 
amount of um, surface area. And I think you should do something with it and not just plant it, you know, flat white. Right. I'm looking at your pictures. Taryn, I feel like you need to ask questions. I mean, I told her that she was Taryn's spirit animal. Well, yeah, I'm just soaking her in. I was trying, you know, like I... Because I'm taking this all in and being like, okay, so if I need to add it, wonder what size pattern. Anyway, that's where that's where my head was. No, I I have lots. Um, so then you talked about how you have um, you do a lot of like stenciling on the floor too. Like instead of doing like a actual applique, you'll have it even. Um, you have an artist or an artisan that will do it. Um, and then I know even your back cover of your new book has a. Um, it's a painted floor. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So I found um, it's a, it kind of looks, it's blue, it's different color blues, and it's meant to look kind of like a rug. And when mm-hmm. I grew up in Northern California, my, everyone used this one decorator in this little town that I grew up in, and she specialized in painted floors. She would paint like an obison on the floor and paint like big fat tassels, and she'd put little bugs in there, and she would do all kinds of fun things. So I, I've kind of had that <laughs> in my, ingrained in my brain for a long time. And so whether it is a painted pattern or maybe like the back of my book, like you were saying, where it's it's a geometric pattern underneath a uh, family room, dining table with a border, or to call out the architecture of a front entry when you've got a big long entry and you want to section off parts of it, if it's like a big brown floor throughout and you want to add something, I'll, I'll paint white squares and maybe a, a white circle within the squares, just something to section it off and and give it some interest without too much. Um, And there is the, see, that's so smart too. And it gives such, you were saying that on the entry. And the other thing you said about the entry that I loved is that you will inset the floor right when you come in so that you can fit a, is it a coir mat or a, a, yeah, like a, a brush mat. Yes. There we go. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And so will you do that in like a back door or do you yeah. do it in the front? Okay. You can do it in the front too. Um, I mean, yeah, you have to, if if you're starting from scratch, it's easy to in, inset it. But if you have it already, if you have a house already, you, to dig that out would be a project and I don't think that'd be worth it. But you know how the front door, it really brushes along the, whatever the floor is, whether it's marble or wood. Um, so if it's set down an inch and flush with the floor, it's really a clever thing. Mm-hmm. Do you that have to replace genius. it? Yes, 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 you do. In fact, I have it in my apartment in the city um, and it's inset into the wood floor and I've replaced it. Yeah, you do have to replace it. But I would say every, oh gosh, I don't know, five years. Yeah, but once you've got the inset built, then it's probably not a big deal. Do you do a standard size? Do you have to have their carpet guy I, come and do it? Like what, what kind of, where, where are you replacing it from? Are you just well, hot it's funny gluing it in there? What's that? <laughs> are you just hot gluing it in there? <laughs> no, it sits perfectly because it's so thick and dense that it just sits there. No, it's rubber backed. And I get it from my, wherever I'm buying my carpets from. But you could probably um, cut up one, uh, be a lot of work, but you could probably cut up one that you find online because they are, they typically do have a rubber back, you know, an anti-slick back right. mm-hmm. to them. 
That is so smart. I thought so too. I was like, um, What's why have I, here? why have not, yeah, <laughs> how do I do this? Um, and then my other one, you were talking about how you often um, hide the TV. And you said one of the things you kind of said as an example was you do it behind a mirror. How do we do that? Okay, behind a mirror. So that is tricky to hide. <laughs> I mean, honestly. I feel better then. Okay, I feel it's good. It's tricky. You have to. I've only done that um, when working with an architect. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, where it's all figured out ahead of time and we're doing construction. Um, gosh, I don't have the name of the manufacturer who does it, but but it comes all together. I think you can buy, uh, you can TV, choose. Yeah. They give you um, a few styles to choose from for the border and it comes with the TV, but then you have to set it, it's set into the wall. It's kind of an operation. I think I'd rather just, if it were for me personally, I would probably just stick it up on the wall and that's that. Right. You know, without the mirror. That's fair. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a cool idea. I wanted to like follow up on that. <laughs> I love it. Taryn's building a new way. house. So oh, yeah. oh, she so, can do all so of you these can things. Have it. I can have all the things. Well, I'm still in the architect phase, so I can have all the things, you yes. know, right now. Yeah. Who knows if I can actually <laughs> afford them, but you know. Um, and then the other thing I loved is you said that you often include a game table in rooms just because it's so um, versatile. Yeah, it is. You know, it could be for art projects for children. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I think card games, backgammon, checkers, Scrabble. I mean, all those things that I guess you don't see that much anymore. But um, it also can hold two laptops. Um, It's just a nice place to sit, you know, upright um, and have, you know, kind of a desk slash someplace you can sit and have a drink, you know, with your husband. And, um, but we, we play backgammon in in my family and we do not have a game table. I really need one. Um, (laughs) I use my coffee table, (laughs) but I think it's a nice thing for my clients to do. Yes. (laughs) One of the things I loved is the way you put your beds together. And you sort of mentioned this actually, I think in your first book, um, about how a bed can be kind of a challenge for designers because they're just these huge flat planes. But I love the way you don't usually do a typical white bed. You've got layers of textures and patterns. You've got throw pillows and they, but they're very quiet overall. You know, the overall effect is quiet. So what what is your formula for putting your bedding and and I'm really talking about the bedding. The bedding together. Yeah. Okay. Well, can I just segue and say I'm glad you're you're bringing up beds. Can I just tell you uh, my advice on beds? Yeah. Before yes, I get yes. to the text Um So, I think what is a big problem is everybody wants a king size bed, and all the mattresses made now are 12 inches or 14 inches deep. These ridiculously deep mattresses, and there are low profile mattresses, and then you can put like um, a, a down duvet on top of it. You know, a fitted um, blanket cover. What am I thinking? No, uh, mattress cover. I'm sorry. Um, that will bring the profile down because I think that having bed that is, you know, it can be like 30 inches off the ground or 28 inches off the ground just is not that elegant because it's, it's usually most of the room. So if you can find a low 
low profile mattress, I think that's really worthwhile to save the look of the room. Um, so that's my advice on that. That's you, great. Do you have I a brand know. you often, you've found this low profile mattress? <sighs> they have them. I mean, I know okay. um, you can get them from 1-800-DOLLAR-MATTRESS. Honestly, I have mine made um, at from Beckley. They're in the Bronx as a family owned business um, and they make my beds for me. Um, but I bet if you did go to like 1-800-DOLLAR-MATTRESS and, mattress and ask for a mattress that is seven um, inches high, um, deep, you know, I think they would have that. I've never heard of 1-800-DOLLAR-MATTRESS. Oh, well, that's what we use for, you know, like for us personally, like <laughs> for for a house at the beach. Um, okay. Um, but, but Beckley mattresses are really they're the best and they're not that much more expensive than than you know one hundred dollar mattress honestly mm, okay this just as an aside i recently discovered um slim box springs where it's only a four inch box spring oh. and so i've put those on all our beds so that it's you know good to yes know. that's good yeah. because it overall it only adds up to 24 inches or so you want to keep your the height overall height to like 23 inches that's the ideal. So you have the foot and you have the box spring and you have the mattress. So if the foot is four inches and then the mattress is seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and then the box spring can be um, 12 inches. But what you're saying, Caroline, is you can do the opposite. You can have a thicker mattress and a thinner box spring. Yeah. But you do a lot of upholstered beds that it just looks like the mattress is sitting on top of the frame. Like, I don't, where is the box spring? No, the box spring, so I, I, I would say 100% of the time I use Beckley for my projects and um, I upholster the mattress. I mean, with the box spring, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I yes. upholster the box spring. So there's no skirt. So mm-hmm. you have the four inch foot and you have so that's what we're the seeing. box spring that's upholstered and then you have mm-hmm. the mattress on top of that. And then for bedding, um, I love white bedding with crisp bedding with pillows that um, have a French back. So it's tucked in there nice and tight. I don't like, I tend to not like a lot of um, ruffles and flanges because they just fall over and they get all wrinkled. And I like them super tight um, so you can have more pillows. And then I like to throw antique textiles. Um, We found one actually yesterday, a really beautiful one from India on Etsy, and it was $85. And it was so pretty. It's, it's, quilted it has it's blue it's like that that um, blue we were talking about um that blue green and has birds all over it and flowers and it's quilted with white stitching it's so pretty and it's going to make this bed it's for a camper actually um (laughs) (laughs) and it's for the bed for the camper and you tuck it in with your white sheets and then you can have a lightweight duvet at the foot of the bed and then you've got some a little bit of pattern and crispness and um, and then you can have a little embroidered throw pillow um, on there. And you don't even need European shams if you have four pillows. Okay. So you you like a white, you kind of go for a white sheet, maybe yes. a textured quilt, and then the duvet in like a pattern. 
Yeah, it can be a pattern or it can match the um, the sheets. But you know, there's okay. that great collaboration uh, with Matuk and Schumacher. Um, you know, all those pretty linens are, I love that. Then you can do the opposite and have mm-hmm. just a simple, you know, off-white matte lace. Yeah, okay. Because so I, I just having the contrast, they something mm-hmm. white, either the pill, either the linens or the coverlet white, something white. I, I want that camper. <laughs> you want that camper? I know. I, I, she I, I goes to horse amazing. shows. She travels around the country and um, she and her daughter and they are amazing jumpers and they go to all these horse shows. And so they drive their That's camper really cool. around and, and, um, and live in the camper. It must be, it, I bet it's going to be the world's most fabulous camper. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be nice. Yeah. It's, it's getting the camper to get the curtains made because they travel so much, you know, at one point <laughs> we need like a month to get the curtains measured and fabricated mm. for her. <laughs> Tricky. I love it. Yeah. So I know that you, um, in a previous life, were an editor for House Beautiful and also House and Garden. And I was wondering if you know, what that experience taught you that you bring to your um, design clients now? Well, I worked for House and Garden first under Lou Gropp, who was such a great teacher and um, uh, just a warm person who let young people like me um, work on their own projects. And then, and then Anna Winter came in and that was really fun working for Anna. And that's how I met Peter. She sent, Anna sent me to follow Peter's work. Um, and Her, your husband, my husband, I'm sorry, Peter Penoyer. So <laughs> that was in 1988. Um, and house and garden back then was we followed, we had a list. I was an, an, an editorial assistant under Carolyn Solis. And so Carolyn was the editor and she had a list of designers, you know, great, great designers, like all the ones you've heard of, Jed Johnson, Mark Hampton, you know, although that type of designer. And, um, and we would go and bring flowers, travel to wherever, to Dallas and, and ship flowers from New York and accessories and, um, and just fix, fix it up a little bit, just, you know, in terms, like if you're having a party, we would do simple things like that. And so I, it really opened my eye to a variety of different styles and to actually see a project completed, not just in a magazine, but to see it in person was, you know, to, to learn about scale. And, um, and I, I learned a lot from Carolyn and from working for, House and Garden, um, in terms of seeing the best of the best. And then at House Beautiful, we it was really hands-on labor where um, we would have a designer come, like Mario Boada. I worked on several projects uh, with Mario, and we'd go into an empty house and start from scratch. And because, for instance, Mario was so busy, he would give us his idea and what he wanted to, um, what the scheme was going to the story was going to look like. And then we would have to make it happen. We'd have to go get the slip covers made and find the furniture and then go back and show Mario this sofa or this sofa. We were, you know, like um, the designers and he was kind of the client um, because he didn't have the time to race around New York and figure this all out. Um, so that was on the job. Um, you know, we'd work such late hours when we were photographing, we'd bring in truckloads of furniture and accessories. And back in the eighties, it was, you know, more is more. And so it was 
every little you know pretty accessory i bought one from the mario sale i bought one thing from that sale but you know it's just a lot of a lot of um accessorizing and it was it was great fun and and learned in a different way so much about our world Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what a great education and that's even before you really stepped into your roles that you are in now yeah wow that's so cool you're also a big gardener. So I'm curious how that, um, how you approach, I guess, outdoor rooms and whether you bring the same color and pattern and sort of, you know, boldness to an outdoor room or whether you really let the, you know, gardens that you ha- you've planted or your clients have um, be the star. Well, for me personally, my gardens are like my interiors. I, I have a lot of different um, plant um, types of plants, shrubs, trees, flowers, annuals, perennials. Um, and then I have a lot of color um, that go through the season. Um, and so I'm not, I mean, I, I appreciate the all green gardens so much. I mean, they're beautiful and they're all about structure and about tidiness. Um, and so I, I, and more and more I'm liking that type of garden. That's not what I have, but, but more and more, I I do love the boxwood gardens and, and, you know, the white flowers with the green, um, it's just so elegant and so beautiful. Um, but again, that's not what I have. I, I tend to use a lot of, a lot of color, orange, red, yellow, purple, everything. Um, and I have fun out there as gardening is really hard um, because you can't predict what's going to happen, you know, what's going to come back, how it's going to double in size or it's not going to come back because I live in a cold zone. So I find garden gardening challenging, but I love it. And I've been able to spend so much time in my garden, you know, because of COVID, which has been really fun. So I feel like my gardens never looked better, um, <laughs> but we have, we're in the middle of a drought. So I was bringing hoses around from all over the place, trying to water like mad, <laughs> Um, but in terms of outdoor rooms, it's nice to have shade to have, if you have a pergola to have, um, a table and chairs, if you have a water element, we just added a little tiny little, um, turtle fountain in our garden that we gather around. I mean, it's tiny. Peter bought the liner of it on Amazon. It's like a little pool that we sunk into the ground and put, um, <laughs> we put brick all around it. Um, so it's nice to have that trickle of water if you can, um, in any, you can, you can buy a pot and get a, um, a recirculating pump. I mean, it can be seriously that simple. It's just a really nice thing in a garden to have, um, the sound of water and, mm-hmm. and then shade, I think is really important too, to have, you know, umbrellas, or or creating shade with wisteria covered. You can make a pergola with just metal rods, something super simple. Um, so yeah, I mean, everybody likes to be outside oh, and yeah. covered. Do you well, observe, Is do you think of it outdoor? I struggle with outdoor because, I, well, I struggle with a lot of things, but I struggle with outdoor <laughs> um, because I... I kind of want to utilize all the spaces and I can't figure out how to get people into some of the spaces. 
do you observe it like that and think, okay, I've got this nice little area here. I could make some shade and make a little seating moment or how do we, how do we kind of take that puzzle apart? It's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, It's almost like you have to live there to understand, you know, how much space you need. I mean, for my clients, I always draw a plan and it's, you know, a bigger scale than I usually have. Um, so it's it's easier in a way because I'm able to plan it out ahead. Um, but, um, you know, it usually has to do with the exit of the house um, where it's, I mean, a lot of times you just don't have a choice of, of where it is because the house exists, the, the porch exists where it is and it's... Um, and it's furnishing it like you would inside, you know, just doing a doing a furniture plan, just drawing it out and getting the scale. And if you can't do that, then taping it out, taking um, you could take cardboard and um, cut out shapes of the furniture that you are going to use from Ballard, you know, like the outside lines of the chair tape it out and see how big it's going to be and and walk around it and figure out how that's going to work with how your door swings out or, you know, I think that's a way that, that people can, um, can figure out how to, uh, furnish something outdoors too. Sure. Sure. Makes sense. And I think you're so right about that water, you know, just if you don't have a pool and you lose more hot, it's just nice to hear it. And, you know, it just, I don't know, there's something soothing, just a little piece of water. Yeah. We have a little frog, a black frog um, that is living in this. I mean, this is like maybe four feet by three feet. And Peter, my husband, built, um, not built, he took a like a liner from um, the kitchen you, you would line um, shelves with, and he laid it in the water so the frog would have something to get out <laughs> on. <laughs> oh, because my gosh. it's really slick, the, this rubber bath is too slick for him to climb out on. So we have now a little rubber liner from our kitchen <laughs> so he can climb out. Oh my gosh, he needs to cut it into a lily pad shape. Oh yes. So he can like okay, be I'll, on theme. <laughs> I'll tell him that you, you suggested that. Now, do you and your husband work a lot together? I do see his name in your book a good bit. We work not, you know, not that much. I mean, I love working with Peter and his firm, but I work with a lot of different architects and he works with a lot of different designers. So maybe we have one project a year. Um, this Kentucky project I was telling you about, we have that together. But other than that, um, I worked in a townhouse with him last year. Yeah, maybe one a year. Does maybe. being married to an architect affect your, uh, uh, what's the word? I wouldn't say style. Yeah, maybe your perspective. That's good, Caroline. <laughs> well, I ask his advice all the time. Um, it's really nice. And he asks my advice too. So it goes both ways. But if I'm trying to um, describe how I want a living room built um, and I'll say, well, you know, that freeze up there, I want that freeze part flat with the walls and I want to take off those columns. And he'll say, well, you mean the architrave and the this and that. He'll give me the technical terms so that I can go to the architect. You know, can you do this and that? And and it just makes it easier for the architect to understand if I'm being articulate. Mm -hmm. um, and you sound so, so much smarter. 
And I, you sound so much smarter. Yes, for sure. Throwing those words around. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I'm impressed. <laughs> well, should we do our dilemma? Should we yes. help our listener with her dilemma? Okay, so this one is from Denise, and she writes, Hello, my favorite ladies. I have a dilemma. My husband and I inherited an antique Persian rug and an antique dining set from his mother. The rug and dining set were antiques when his parents bought them from an antique dealer in New Orleans in the 1950s. Sounds pretty cool. We had the rug cleaned and repaired recently, and we were told it's very valuable. But that doesn't make me love it <laughs> anymore. It is too large for the room, as you can see, and the ragged brown edges make me crazy. I know we need it to get a new sectional. It looks awful with the rug. The current one looks awful with the rug because our 17-year-old red sofa is showing its age even though we have loved on it all these years. It looks great on our, how do you say that tile? Saltillo? Saltillo, maybe. Saltillo tile? It's sort of a terracotta square yeah. terracotta mm -hmm. tile. Yes. I was looking at recovering the sectional or buying a new one anyway before we got the rug. So do I keep the rug? I can't seem to make it work. I thought about two matching two matching a couches facing. Just take out the Sorry. A. I thought about yeah. two matching couches facing each other. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about two matching couches facing each other, but then you would see the back of one right when you walked in the front door. And I totally not see the prettiest and would totally not see the prettiest part of the rug, which is the middle. The middle is pink and blue. Two sofas would also make the rug fit better in the space. What color fabric would I use on the sofa or sectional? And, and then she lists light gray, dark gray, camel, navy blue. Uh, do I get performance velvet? Help. I'm really trying to embrace this rug because it has been in my husband's family for a long time. He asked me to write you all to help us figure it out. I, <laughs> I hate how it sticks out behind the sectional and has to go all the way under the TV console. I need to do something with the TV also. Maybe hang it on the wall and get rid of the black TV cupboard. Also, the dining set is so matchy-matchy, and as you can tell by the photos, I am not that kind of decorator. Maybe some fun performance fabric ideas? on the chairs to make them kind of pop help me love tuesdays when you come into my home again <laughs> thank Aww. you denise okay so ladies sweet. i'm about to throw a wrench into this letter what? because we actually got nope this was just jogging my memory nope. what you're gonna say she gave it away yeah but i got a backup email from her after she said she gave it away saying it wouldn't fit in the moving truck of her brother-in-law's truck when he was leaving town so she still has the rug Dang it. I okay. Know. So, so we're back where we were. Back where we were. And I'm just going to quickly describe this space really quickly, you guys. So it, it is a, a large open room and it does have this, um, I would say, 12 inch square kind of terracotta tiles with a dark grout between them and white walls or a light colored wall. Um, this very large rug, I think maybe nine by 12. Um, and then she... Um, once new sofa, so let's not even talk about that. And behind that area of the room is her dining area. And the rug is kind of under a couple of the legs of the dining chairs. It's so large in the space. Um, mm -hmm. And then um, at the end of the wall of the short end of the rug, there she does have a media cabinet or TV somehow and some sort of, it looks like a brown console with a black cupboard on top that's holding her television. I'm saying that that 
that's weird. We got to fix that. And so she wants to know, what should I do with this sofa? And it is a beautiful, very large rug. What do you think? Um, I think that I like the rug and I don't think it's too large. I mean, if she really thinks it's too large, you can, she could cut down because there is a kind of a natural border on two sides and then it's kind of fringed on the other two sides. I mean, she could cut it down a tiny little bit and I don't think that would hurt the value too much. Um, I, I don't think it's, well, I mean, it is a little bit big. Um, if she wanted to turn, if she didn't want to cut it, I guess she could turn under the part that's in the corner, um, you know, maybe three inches and just tuck it under the TV cabinet where the TV is going. If she didn't want to, if she didn't feel comfortable doing that. I mean, I do cut rugs, antique rugs. Um, and it's it's not the end of the world. I mean, especially if they're going to have it forever and they're not going to sell it. I mean, it's something that they, they've inherited. They're going to pass it down to somebody else. So it wouldn't be the end of the world in my mind to cut it down by, you know, like three inches and three inches on the two ends. So I can say the, say the North and South end. Um, so I would keep the antique rug where it is. I think it's fine that it's in the corner like that. I think her instinct to get rid of the cabinet underneath the TV is a good one. And I also her instinct to put the TV on the wall, I think is a good one. I would do that. I think she needs something underneath the TV. I would um, buy a Ballard, I'm sure has a console table, like a lacquered console table underneath to anchor that side of the wall, that side of the room. And it, it would be would be much simpler, um, a colored, you know, green or blue. Um, don't you have that at Ballard? I'm sure you uh, do. We have a beautiful like navy you know, raffia, don't we? Yeah, oh, that would be nice. Would that I be would pretty? do that. I would do well, that. Well, we also have um, this great brand new like peacock blue that's Oh, um, media cabinet that's like the peacock and the oh, mm-hmm. um, oh with yes. big brass hardware that's mm. shaped. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I would do that. I would put that there. It's pretty. Um, and the name. I think the L-shaped sofa is great. I I would get a new one. As I was talking earlier about keeping them um, having tight backs, and I think it's a little too bulky in the room, and then that would help the bulkiness if it was a tight back. Um, it could be a little bit shorter on the part that's um, the long, in front of the table. The long wall? Oh, okay. The short side. Yeah. The short, that's, that, that floats in the room. Got that it. could be a little bit shorter. Um, but I think that size is generally pretty good. It, it could be maybe 20% smaller. Mm-hmm. And her, the arms are so big, you know, even yeah. if she had a slimmer arm, that would probably take For it sure. down. Amount you're saying. So, what do you think about fabric for, sure. for the sofa? Um, for the fabric for the sofa, I would welt. I would do something. Um, if you have your blue, I was thinking. Um, uh, if you have your blue uh, cabinet, Ballard cabinet under the TV, um, I think red won't look great against that floor. I see more blue. I think would be nice. So. I think I would do, I would get the cabinet first and then look at the color, maybe make it a little bit lighter or a little bit darker and then pipe it in green or pipe it in red, pipe it in that pinky red. That would be really pretty. Um, and then you can go crazy with pillows. You could add, you know, 
green and blue and red and all those colors pillows on the sofa and just make it a solid um it could be an indoor outdoor fabric um the performance velvet that sounds like a great idea i love that idea i love velvet um and then for the table i mean she might be scared to do this but i think i would paint the chairs she says it's too I forget what she said, the word, but too matchy-matchy. Too matchy-matchy. So I would lacquer the chairs. Um, I think that would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And then use a performance fabric for the cushion. So you could lacquer the chairs. Uh, There's, it looks like there's some green in that carpet. You could lacquer them, you know, a really beautiful, um, pull out those greens in the carpet. Um, If she isn't too worried about, uh, I mean, I, I don't think in terms of value so much. I use, I think in terms of, you know, how are you going to use it? Are you going to be happy with it? And you're living with it for a long, long time. So mm-hmm. that's what I would do. I would, um, I love I would that paint idea. them like with a Benjamin Moore um, oil based um, uh, semi-gloss paint. Okay, here's something, and you tell me, Katie, if this is a terrible plan or a terrible idea. But I was thinking, since she, you know, it is kind of awkward how close the dining table is to the the sofa, and you mentioned scaling it down and like making the um, rug smaller. But I was also thinking, what if she did a long, like single bench banquette on the wall with the mirrors so that that way she can push the dining table over a little bit towards the wall and it doesn't I mean it would make it so the chandelier isn't centered but is that a terrible idea I mean it would and it would sort of break up her chairs a little bit you know yes okay so there's a mirror right there oh yes that's a great idea Caroline yeah so put a put a a banquette underneath a mirror yeah. And then put the chairs around that. That's an excellent idea. Yeah, I like that. So then the table she would have would to do that. probably eight inches. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent mm-hmm. idea. I love that idea. She could do like an, a chandelier. You could drape the chandelier. You, you could. know, do one of those little hook things. Yes, move it over. Do people still do that or is that like an old school thing? <laughs> I think it's an old school thing. I, I did it in an apartment um, and it looked just fine. It was like a big Moroccan um lantern that we did a little swoopy swoop thing and pulled mm-hmm. it over to and make with, it oh, centered. If you look in her entry, she's got it there already. She swagged the light over. And who would have put the light fixture not in the center oh, of the entry? What I know. builder did that? So she clearly I, is not opposed to a swag. Yeah. Right. Um, and those ceilings are so high, you probably would never even see it. True. Right. right. Yeah. I love yeah. that bank I, idea, Caroline. Yeah, I like that well, too, Caroline. It would look so good though with your green... Queen Anne chairs. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, or do any all of color it. out of that rug. You pull any mm-hmm. color yeah. of that rug, you lacquer those chairs up with it. Mm. Pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the rug's really pretty. I, I really like it. I like the rug. I yeah. keep it. Take that rug yeah. and run with it. Let that be yeah. It has lots of good color theme. options in it. You know, you it can does. do the, that blue. And then I actually think it looks really nice with the floors because it's kind mm-hmm. of the same mm-hmm. color, but not. Right. You know? Same value. Yeah, it's a good compliment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. She's got yeah. a well, good see, start. It's, it's great that it, she had to keep the rug That's after right, all. Denise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it couldn't fit in her brother-in-law's moving truck. <laughs> yeah. I think I responded to this email saying, 
Well, if you don't want it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> want my number? Also, if she was going to buy that rug, it's so big. I bet it would be outrageously expensive oh, yes. if she had to buy it herself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Savor so. it. Keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you. Yes. Thanks thank you, you so much. Yes. And we loved getting, mm-hmm. I just, I honestly can't wait to have a hard copy of your book because it was so good. Yes. Thank so, you so, so much treat. for sharing it with have us. have to pour through it again. Oh my gosh. Yes. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work and get um, more rooms? Yes. So more rooms can be found in any bookstore. I guess I would call ahead to be sure they had it or it's on Amazon. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram, Katie Ritter Inc. That's my business um, Instagram, and my website is www.katieritter.com. My info account is info at katieritter.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, this thank you so much. We really you appreciate are it. So, so inspirational. So thank oh, you for giving thanks, us so many yes. good ideas. <laughs> I challenge anyone to buy this book and not have a takeaway from it. Agreed. Because it is that gorgeous. Agreed. I loved it. Yay. Thank you. Good job, thank Katie. You all. all right that's our show thank you so much for listening you can leave us a review in your podcast app we would love to read it and of course subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone the show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and follow us on social media and the how to decorate podcast is now a skill on your alexa that's right so you can just ask alexa to play the how to decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on amazon.com yes super easy Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much happier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.